You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall on the road at Maryland, 78-75 to to the Terrapins, in a game in which the Hoosiers solved the big problem coming into it. They got off to a great start, jumping out to a 9-0 lead, playing some of the best defense that we've seen this team play all season. But unfortunately, it could not sustain. And despite leading by eight at halftime, Maryland came out and went on a 16 to nothing run in the second half. And Indiana never fully recovered. The Hoosiers were able to pick up some buckets late uh, to get it a little bit closer. They only lose by three. But this was a, a total breakdown in the second half. Ironic, given how Indiana's been better in second halves than they have been in first halves. Tonight, it was flipped. Uh, and Indiana loses a game that... We kind of expected they were going to lose coming in because it's a tough matchup, but after the way they started, it really makes the way that the game went in the second half uh, all that much more painful. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, and let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for me, the Banner Moment tonight, you know, obviously Rob Finnessy getting back when he checked into the game at the 15:40 mark. I think that was just a huge moment to have him back in the game. And we're going to talk about that. But the moment that I'm going to assign to the banner moment is the three-pointer that Romeo made at the 220 mark. He was about five feet behind the line. At the time, it brought Indiana within five, and it came on the heels of two empty possessions that I so wish we had back because the game might be different. When Al took that quick three and Devontae got in the lane and took that mid-range jumper, we came up empty Romeo was going off or, or, or was about to go off. And if maybe he had those possessions, who knows how this game is different. But Romeo was terrific in the second half. He had 20 points. He was you know 6 of 6 or 8 of 8 from the line, whatever it was. But the most important development, I thought, was that three-point shot because he would make another one later, a little step-back three. He made three threes tonight. I thought he looked more confident shooting the three than we've seen him. It actually, to me, and we'll get Ryan's thoughts on this later, it looks like he's actually changed up his shot a little bit kind of simplified it like it looks like his release is a little bit better to me and this marks now four straight games that he's made a three-pointer he's shooting in the high 30s over that stretch you know we talked early in the season if Romeo could add that three-point shot to the rest of what he was able to do offensively it would really take his game to the next level and we've seen that now another huge outburst from him Obviously, it was too little too late, and, and we'll talk about that. But seeing him have one of those kind of Romeo explosions, you know, like we know that he had in high school that we've kind of been waiting on, he was certainly good enough in the second half tonight for it to have been in a winning effort. Unfortunately, you know, no points from the bench, the struggles on defense, the offense just wasn't enough. But seeing him do that and seeing a player that talented, when you it's having players that are that talented in your program that give you a chance to win banners. Now, we may not see another player as talented as Romeo for a long time, but having those kind of guys in your program is what gets you to that next level. Clearly, Indiana has one of them, and Romeo showed off all those skills tonight on the offensive end. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud 
Hoosier Proud Banner Moment brought to you as always by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like Down Syndrome of Indiana. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the new year now upon us, Turn back the clock by checking out Homefield's IU Crest sweatshirt featuring an IU Crest design that dates back all the way to the year 1910, and it's printed on a fleece tri-blend crew neck that is immensely comfortable, the same material of that Bison logo sweatshirt that I have gushed about ever since I got it. It's so, so comfortable. And of course, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout to get 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomefieldApparel.com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's IU loss. It's it's funny because you look at some of the stats from the game. You, you talked about the the quick start. That was one thing that everybody, you know, IU needs to get off to a quick start. Check. Done. Make your free throws. 16 of 16 from the line. Check. Done. Tur- turn the ball over very little. Seven turnovers in the game, one in the second half. Check. Done. And they lose the game somehow. Um and the reason that you lose the game when you do those things is defense in the second half was just atrocious. Um, there was a stretch that I charted here. twenty In 21 possessions, IU scored 33 points. So that's 1.57 points per possession. By any measure, that's incredibly good. They made up zero points on Maryland during that stretch. They basically played them to a draw. You had to score 1.57 points per possession during a 21-possession stretch to just stay even. Uh, in the game, and unfortunately, that came on the heels of a, a sequence where IU had eight straight scoreless trips uh, after that Juwan layup to start the second half, and that was really where the game turned. That Maryland went on a huge run; they opened up the lead, and no matter how well IU played offensively, they just couldn't get back in the game. And you know, they cut to the one, uh, the one point of Archie in the huddle where it's like every time we, you know, to paraphrase, every time we trim down the lead, they just go right by us and score or uh, whatever was said. Either way, that was a nice break from listening to Tim Brando. Um, you know acquaint himself, not reacquaint, acquaint himself with these teams. So uh, just a, a, you know, rough night. It's, it's one of those where I think, you know, you you compare this to the Michigan game where the margin was much more in that game. And I think somehow people walked away from that game, probably feeling better than they'll walk away from a game that IU lost by three, just because it, it feels like a huge missed opportunity and really puts a lot of pressure on that Nebraska game coming up on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go over to Ryan. Ryan, I know you've got a rant ready. Let's go. Let's hear it. Yeah, normally if we had won this game, my rant would have been completely Tim Brando based because he was god awful tonight on the broadcast. But uh, like, had he never watched a game of basketball before? I, I really, I don't know what was going on. He certainly had never watched. I, I know two teams he hasn't watched play I basketball. Know, for <laughs> sure. That's what I was going to say. He certainly hadn't watched either of these teams play. Uh, I mean, here's here's what I have to say. It, a lot of people are going to laud Romeo after this game, and he, and he should be. He's an amazing player. It was unbelievable. 28 points. He was hitting great shots at the end, making things happen. Uh, he needs to do that from the tip, and, and, and maybe not on your first possession of the game, but when things start going poorly for IU, that's when you need Romeo and you need Juwan Morgan to really step up and they waited too long to step up. Romeo waited until there was about six minutes left to go. Okay. I I need to score. And 
that's not how you win games on the road. Your stars need to be stars. Juwan Morgan had 14 points and eight rebounds tonight. That's an okay game on the stat sheet. I thought he was a complete non-factor in the second half for most of it. And the second half is where he's lived so far in this season. I realized he was facing a tough task against Bruno Fernando and, and Smith down low. Uh, those are big guys who can really defend. And Morgan struggled to find his rhythm in this game. Um, you know, you if you're just looking at the numbers, you think, okay, he had a nice night. He he didn't, though. I didn't feel like this was a good Juwan Morgan performance. Um, and I know we're asking a lot of him, but right now those two guys are so much of what Indiana does offensively. Justin Smith, when he was in there, was great offensively. But guess what? He got four fouls and missed most of the second half, which killed IU on the defensive end. But also, it, it left an option on the offensive end. And the problem is, when you're playing this injured, and, and look, Rob Finnis, he was great to see him back, but he was clearly limited tonight. Deron Davis tried to go. It's clear he was not healthy, and he we didn't see him. I don't think we saw him at all in the second half. Uh, you've got guys like Fitzner and McRoberts coming off the bench who are giving you nothing. I mean, you really have no depth. And when that's the case, your stars, there's no leeway. Your stars have to be stars every night, particularly on the road. And try as they might. Look, I love Al Durham. He, he had some big buckets tonight. Uh, Devontae Green gave whatever he had, 15 points, no turnovers, um, took some bad shots, but guess what? A lot of it's somebody had to shoot at, at one point or another because the offense was so stunted. Um, we'll talk about that. Jared, don't shake your head at me. Some of those shots um, are like turnovers. Yeah. He I, was four of 10. I mean, it's not like he shot 20 shots and missed 18 of them. Um, so what I'll say though is yeah, maybe some of those shots were bad and they're turnovers, but you know what? Romeo wasn't demanding the ball. Juwan Morgan wasn't posting up and demanding the ball. They were just kind of playing within the offense. And in the situation Indiana was in, where the offense was completely stunted for two really long stretches, they need to step up and say, give me the basketball. Let me go to work. And what that does is it makes the defense focus on you and it opens things up for everybody else. And that's what needs to happen on the road. And Romeo did it late. And that is encouraging that he'll maybe figure out how to do it a little earlier. But he did it against Illinois late. And he did it against Maryland late, but it was too late in this case. Midway, like early in the second half, he and Morgan should have demanded the basketball. Well, then is that on Archie then to see that this is happening and say, hey, guys, yo, some, you're the stars. Sure, Let's go. Sure, sure. Some. I, yeah, uh, sure. But honestly, Morgan's a senior leader. He shouldn't have to be told when he needs to step up. He should be able to do it. Romeo is going to be in the NBA next year. He shouldn't need to be told when to step up. Yeah, a little encouragement from the coaching, from the coaches saying like, hey, let's go is fine, but those guys know, and those guys know what they need to do. And, and so I'm not ripping them. I'm not saying they played poorly or whatever. I'm just saying those guys need to know they need to sense the game when the game's getting away from Indiana, when they're on a when they're against a 16, nothing run, those guys need to take over and make shots and make something happen to stem the tide. And, and they didn't do that. Indiana got so far behind that, you know, without miracles on defense, which, look, the defense was terrible. We all know it. That's why they lost the game. But without them turning it around defensively, that that was the ball game right there. The game was over early in the second half. It really was, and I think we all felt that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean what, I, what I would say, though, hang on. So when you talk about that, at the yeah, that's right. That's how you take over right there. <laughs> so when you... Stars I mean, being so stars. When, well, so when you say that about them, so here's the stretch in the second half, the beginning. This is just the end of the possessions. I didn't write out all this, right? But... 
Juwan scores a layup on the first basket. Maryland scores immediately. The next shots were Al Durham missed two. Devontae Green missed three. Devontae Green missed two. Al missed three. When Fitzner got just annihilated trying to, you know, post up for an hour before they blocked his shot. I mean, that's five straight possessions. Like, I, you know. Right, but Some of why these are other they, guys have to those understand guys who to get the ball to? That's what I'm saying. But why are those guys? Do? I don't know why. No, but no, no I'm telling. I'm asking you. They're shooting because Romeo doesn't go get the dang ball. He plays within the offense, which is fine, and that's that's you should do that normally. But when there's a big run coming, you Jawan Morgan needs to say as the ball's coming up the court, get get the ball to me in the post. These guys talk to each other on the court. They're not mutes. They don't, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're walking up the court and it's like, well, no, who are we going to get the ball to? Juwan needs to say, hey, give me the ball. Well, if you're Devontae Green and you're the point guard, aren't you aware? Aren't you aware of who the best players are and who you yes. should get the ball to? That's and, your and, job and, and, and as every, the point guard. Everybody is at fault. Wrestle here. the ball away from him while he's bringing it up the court. Yeah, if you need to. I mean, <laughs> that's, how, that's how Ryan does it on the show. So, yeah, <laughs> you just did it right now. See how easy it was? No, but I, I mean, mean, OK, <laughs> here, here's the thing I will say. I think you make you make a good point because it reflects the reality of this team. Like I, I just okay. like like those it's not like Romeo wasn't getting touches. But here's, but here's the thing. Those two possessions and it was 64 to 58. I mean, Allen and Devonte took such quick shots. There wasn't time bad, to get the ball to those Romeo. Are, those are bad shots. So what I'm saying those is, it's a balance. It's not just on Romeo and Juwan. No, it's also, I, you know, I mean, I, I think this is. I didn't say that it was not on other people. What I said was, I, you know, is that people are going to be lauding Romeo for this performance. They're going to be talking, looking at the stats, and saying Juwan had a good game. But when the team really needed them, when they were in the middle of that 16-0 run. They did not step up. Well, when they, when okay, they were I'll, I'll tell you something else that would have helped on the 16-0 run, having your best defensive player on the court. Because yes. I think the key to losing this game, do you realize Justin Smith was plus 22 tonight? And I thought while he was on the court, he was awesome. Now, yep. what he oh, did he really is did. he made two really dumb fouls in the second half. The one, he's reaching for an offensive rebound that he has no chance to get. And the other one, oh, he slapped the guy. And maybe they're questionable fouls, but you know what? He probably just shouldn't be reaching there. And yes. Justin Smith has become too important to this team to make silly fouls. You know, a especially month ago, with, um, um, a month ago, Aaron hey, I've got the ball. This is a big moment. I've got the ball. You're not taking I'm it away taking from me. I'm taking it from you. <laughs> but he's become too important to this team to do that because, you know, where, where, did the, where did this go wrong in the second half defensively? And I'm sorry. If he, I think if he's on the court, it at least equates to two or three more stops, and it's a totally different ball game down the stretch. So tonight, as important as Romeo and Jawan are, I just want to highlight, you know, for anybody who has missed the development of Justin Smith defensively, he's become the key cog to our defense. And I will say offensively tonight, he scored in four different ways. He scored in transition. He hit that little jump shot. He scored on that alley-oop dunk. And he took it from the top of the key all the way to the hole. So, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff tonight, but I thought – the minutes he was on the court, on the road in a big game, and this is about the time last year that he really came around, he was really good, and if he hadn't made those dumb fouls, I think we win this game. Okay, so. let me let me just clarify something, because I felt like I got run over with a truck there by you guys. I'm not saying that Romeo and Juwan aren't great and, and, and that it's their fault we lost. What I'm saying is when you're in a stretch like that, where you're getting run 16 to nothing, it's not like they weren't touching the ball on those possessions. You're right. Later on, there were some quick shots that needed to not be taken. You're, you're absolutely right, Jared. But Romeo was touching the ball every time down the floor. He was just giving it up. And, 
you're playing within a team system. I get it. It's fine. But you need to sense and read the game and understand that, you know, sometimes you need to take the ball, take the ball screen, and instead of passing it around the perimeter, take the ball screen and turn north and south. Get fouled. Stop the momentum. You know, whatever you do, drive into the middle and maybe then you kick it to somebody instead of just kind of going through the flow of the offense. You need to demand the ball and you need to make things happen. And for Juwan, he needs to post up Bruno Fernando or Smith or one of those guys and get them in foul trouble like he did later in the game. But, but I would say, like when it was 43-37 and momentum was starting to turn, Juwan got two buckets on offensive putbacks. You know, he did. like, like he yeah. did that. So, I mean, they did at times. I. I just think you're making an overly simplistic argument is what it, I'm saying. It, it needs to be consistent. I'm sorry. When you're on a 16-0 run, Jared, your stars need to step up and do something to stop to stem the to stem the tide. I'm sorry. They have to. I, I, I would say that about any team, not Indiana, not Romeo or Morgan or whoever. I would say that about anybody. When you're in a 16-0 run, somebody needs to do something. And who are we relying on to do things on this team? Romeo and Juwan. That's it. So that's my argument is that, in the middle of that and look i think another time archie should have called it a second time out i really yeah. do because he called the first one it was that was right but it didn't really stop anything he should have called the second one and he did so i'm not saying you blame these two guys for this loss i'm saying it, everybody is to blame it's a team game but what i am saying is during that run indiana needed something and who do we turn to on this team when you need something it's those two guys and they need to sense the game and step up in those situations also when rob can play 30 minutes that'll help too because he yeah, of course it will down. of course so. it will but that's not the reality right now andy you know, and why don't you the get reality. the last word on this before we take a break oh i don't i mean i don't have it i i said my part on the other piece I, I do think justin um to circle back to that point i i thought one of the first things it looked like you know alex bozich tweeted out one of the first things archie miller said on his post-game radio show was that they really you know losing justin to foul trouble in the second half was a huge turning point in the game i think that contributed not only just in in kind of base defensive scenarios but also um you know trying to limit Maryland's offensive rebounds he's just a dramatically better rebounder than anybody else they were going to put in for him and um and that was just a, a huge struggle and and like you said that the fourth foul was unfortunate where he's coming to double and maybe that was a foul the the one that really was just a giveaway was the one that he got in his third foul where, you know, Jalen Smith has him completely blocked out. There's just no way that you're going to get that ball. And, and you just have to know. And I think it's something that we've talked about. It's interesting because we talked about that so much with like Romeo and Juwan after the Michigan game about trying to, you know, you have to understand that you giving up a basket here is not the worst thing in the world that can happen. And it's kind of funny that we're at a point where Justin Smith defensively is at that point there where it's like, you can't be off the floor it was if I use going to be what season. it is defensively. And so, you know, I think that underscores how important Justin has really become, but he's got to be smarter than, you know, making the, the third foul there and, and not yeah. putting him in a position where, you know, the, the fourth one, while maybe a questionable call, you just can't put yourself in a position where that's the, that's the one that's going to take you off the floor because there was clearly no alternative. The other thing Archie said was he, you know, kind of set Duran up to fail by playing and that he probably shouldn't have been out there tonight. And that's why you didn't yeah. see him in the second half. And he just, he you know, while, while you look at him and say, hey, here's a big body you can put on Fernando. Fernando is so mobile that that's, you know, a, a terrible matchup for Duran. Even even at full health, I think that becomes difficult. So uh, it was just, it was it was tough. And that, you know, that level of offensive rebounding, while they didn't have a ton of second chance points, so they'd have nine in the second half, I think. It was just extending possessions, the amount of time that IU had to play defense, the energy they had to exert when they weren't getting anything off the bench. Yep. 
All righty. Coming up, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Maryland, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 78 to 75 loss to Maryland at the Xfinity Center tonight. It is time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. I've got a couple of them. Um, you know, I, I want to start with another bad stretch in the second half that didn't involve Romeo or Juwan. You know, we talked before when it was 64-58, those two straight possessions where Alan Devante took quick shots that preceded Romeo's explosion. Who knows how the game's different there. I'll tell you another stretch that really turned the tide. Right before the under-12-minute timeout, it was 45-44. You know, Indiana had kind of battled back. Al Durham had hit a a big three-pointer to pull Indiana within one, and then boom, IU gives up five straight points. On one play, Evan Fitzner bit terribly on a a pump fake, and it created a rotation. Maryland threw a couple passes, got a wide-open three-pointer. They drained it. Devontae goes down on the other end. And I don't know what it is about Devontae when he gets an open lane, but he has got to be the worst at actually hitting an open layup that I've seen. Like, I, I just I don't know what goes through his mind when it actually opens up, but he bricked a layup and he made some shots tonight, but this was terrible. He bricked a layup. It's like he's trying to be too fancy with it. Then he doesn't get back on defense and Cowan just goes the other way and scores. And right like that, when you felt like Indiana might be ready to get back in and at least, you know, kind of start playing toe to toe, exchanging buckets. Now it's 50 to 44. And, you know, I don't I don't think Indiana really got a lot closer than that until the end. There was kind of, you know, Maryland started nursing that, you know, six to ten point lead. Um, Andy, what other stretches jumped out to you? Those two. You know, when you look at the quality of the shots and then the defense on the other end, those were just backbreakers because they were moments when it felt like Indiana had a chance to get back in the game. Well, and right after, uh, right after the, the layup that you talked about, that was when Al got called for the moving screen on the dribble handoff that Maryland was just basically just their, their defense to those was just to run through everyone and see what would happen. Yeah, He didn't even set a screen. He just got run into. No. It was like he didn't have no. a chance to set a screen. No, that was it. That was in the midst of a the the Cowan three started or was right in the midst of a series where I think Maryland scored on like eight or nine straight um, straight possessions. I would have said had IU actually won the game, um, there was a, the other stretch that I, I thought about was at the end of the first half um, when Romeo or not when Romeo when Archie brought Jawan back in with two fouls, kind of sensing the game was getting a little bit away from him, and Jawan makes a bucket inside, yeah. Al gets a three, and then Jawan blocks a shot at the end. It really felt at the time. Like, you know, IU had stemmed the tide a little bit, pushed the lead back. Established order, yeah. Yeah, back to eight at halftime. And they got it up to 10 on that first play of the second half where Juwan Juwan slipped the screen and got a layup. And then everything pretty much went to hell from there. But I thought that was was another, you know, a a surprise really um, that that he put him back in. Because when he got that second foul, it was kind of like, well, he's done. But I think it was good. I, I think you're starting to see from him. I, partly depth related, a, a, a more of a willingness to put guys in with two fouls, and it really paid off uh, in that stretch. Just didn't didn't pay off in the long term. But I mean, I, in all honesty, when you look down the possessions here, like the stretches where IU did not score is, are just littered with guys other than Juwan and Romeo being the ones that used possessions or took shots or whatever the case may be. I mean, when those guys were using possessions, it was really 
um, pretty impressive offensively, but ultimately, you know, just didn't matter because they couldn't string together uh, enough stops on on the defensive end. I mean, you know, those guys are both using 25, 26% of possessions. You know, you look at guys like Carson Edwards and Ethan Happ, they're up in the 30s. I do think it's time for Romeo and Juwan to start using 28, 29, 30% of the possessions. I think it is. No, no. So you agree with me? No, no. no. I, yeah, oh, I, I no. Listen, listen. I agree that they should use more possessions because I think some of the other guys take bad shots. I don't think it's a bad thing to give your best players more possessions. I absolutely agree. I don't agree with your tone, like almost that you know they were responsible for the big run. But we're not going to rehash that. I never not, said that. You did too. Say that. <laughs> you no, did. No, I too. didn't. I said in that run you need to step up, and right. they didn't. And other guys should. Okay, we're not going to get back into that. Okay. I could go off all night, Morris. <laughs> all right. I've got another. I've go got a busting you up I've, all night. I, no, I've got another meaningful moment that, that we will all uh, uh, enjoy reflecting on. So it's at the 1230 mark of the first half. Juwan's got it on the right block and he passes it out to Devante on the left wing. Juwan reposts and Devante proceeds to throw one of the greatest post entries that I've ever seen because he threw it from the left wing to Juwan on the right block. He kind of put a little spin on it. Juwan ends up getting two attempts at the bucket over Fernando. He missed both. But, it, I mean, Devante continues to be this, you know, this team's best post feeder. I and mean, he doesn't, I was about to say, when he doesn't get too fancy with it, like that wasn't fancy. It looked pretty and he put a little spin on it because he had to to get it there. Yeah. So, you know, look, the thing with Devante is his creativity and his just, you know, kind of natural aggression and confidence is what allows him to make great plays. It's also what forces, you know, compels him to take shots that we all question, but it creates passes like that that most players wouldn't see and then most players also wouldn't attempt. And I thought that was just a beautiful pass. So I just wanted to reflect on that because it was a thing of beauty. Brian, what uh, what other moments stuck out to you? What possessions do you want to criticize Juwan and Romeo for for not grabbing well, the ball? The run was the, but actually, you know what? It started to turn towards the end of the first half, and Andy mentioned that, and and they kind of stemmed the tide a little bit. But you could feel the game getting away from them at the end of the first half. You really could, and and Maryland started beating Indiana uh, with its offense at the end of the first half. So. Uh, I really thought that was a, a meaningful stretch because while Morgan did have that great block and, and Al hit a three, you got the feeling they went into the locker room with some confidence, and and that was really bad. And and honest, quite frankly, Indiana had a long stretch of had a very long stretch of not scoring in the first half. They could have buried Maryland in the first half. And to Maryland's credit, Maryland didn't give up. Maryland kept plugging; they just weren't hitting shots. And you know, I really think that Indiana had an opportunity to just to just put this game away in the first half, but but didn't and, and lost some opportunities. I think the adrenaline wore off of, you know, the start of the game wore off and everybody in the arena kind of got flat. And that really hurt Indiana because they could have absolutely put this game away early. Yeah, I'll tell you one other one um, that stood out and this can lead us in, Andy, to looking at the stats. Seven seconds to go. Rob Finnessy makes a free throw. The first bench points of the night. So this was yet another night where Indiana just doesn't get production off the bench. You know, Evan Fitzner doesn't score. He had one nice wide open three pointer that was a good shot. He just missed it. Um, you know, Duran obviously not able to to really do anything. Zach McRoberts not an offensive factor right now. So it was you know it was yet another game where the bench just isn't giving anything. Um, you know, and so you know when you look at the numbers and Andy, you pointed out some of the other numbers that were good. The free throw numbers are really good. The turnover numbers are good. You know, some of those key indicators. Um, but then you start looking at the defense, and it it was it was a horror show, and especially on the on the glass. So I don't I don't know, Andy, if you want to be the one to talk about the 
defensive. I feel like we should have drawn straws for who has to talk about rebounding because it was a horror show. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was not great. I mean, yeah, the bench points up until Finney makes those shots. I mean, that's even with those shots, that's seven bench points in the last three games for IU. I mean, you you just can't you can't survive that way. And the problem is that it then leads you to have to play. You know, Juwan plays thirty six minutes, and that was what's sitting out with a little bit of foul trouble. Romeo plays thirty four. Um, those guys are just gassed. At, that's at that's why points. we need Devonte coming off the bench because he can score and, points. Yeah. You know? And in the second oh. half, in the second half, you know, Juwan plays all twenty minutes. Romeo plays eighteen of them because you just can't you can't take those guys to the court. And part of that is Justin Smith because then there's nobody else that you can really put in. They just they they got to find ways to get something out, out of guys off the bench. I was really surprised that Clifton Moore didn't at least get a, a chance to play. I I'm agree. not saying he would have done well, um, but at least but he had some. Light. I, but I struggle to believe that he would have given you any less than than what it felt like. And that's curious because really Archie's media availability. I mean, basically said, you know, look for Clifton to. So I don't. I'm not sure what the thinking was there. I wonder Who if he'll knows? even say in his post game that he, you know, that he meant to get him in. I mean, because given he, this season, he probably got injured in warmups and is out for three weeks. I mean, you know, this has just been bad luck. And look, we're talking about the bench and stuff like that. And and you say like, wow, I really wish he would have done something else. I mean, what is he supposed to do? I mean, this is the point we're at where you put yeah. Clifton Moore in in a game I, where yeah, the I, defense was a sieve. Then, you know, Fitzner was out there for what he played like 18 minutes tonight. And is that what it was? I did. The, yeah. the stats have yes. not me. 18 minutes. And I mean, honestly, if they were going to give somebody a rest, like he's the only guy they could throw out there. I mean, McRoberts, again, non-entity offensively um, played pretty well. And we get, we know what Zach's dealing with. So, it, you know, and he's probably not going to be healthy until the end of this, until the season's over. Um, so, you know, I appreciate the effort and everything, but, you know, Fitzner is just an empty Jersey right now, but there's no other options. It's ever maybe Clifton Moore. I mean, Jake Forrester, I think he would have gotten abused by those two. Big he's guys. coming off an injury too. Yeah, and and he's they said he's cleared, but you know he's still. That doesn't mean you're not you're a hundred percent. No, Clifton is the guy that I feel like of those eighteen has minutes to be, has yeah. to be. And and uh, maybe they're just not confident there right now. I don't know what it is. The coaches know the team better than us, but uh, yeah, Fitzner out there for so long. I mean, you feel bad for the guy because his confidence is just completely shot. He had a wide open three that he was hitting early in the year rimmed it out and that would have gone miles to helping his confidence and it went in and out it wasn't like he missed it badly it went in and out and um you know that that would have been really big for him i think to have hit that maybe then he's cutting a little harder because he knows he can contribute he's doing some pick and pop stuff um i will say this though man uh you know i'm just kind of riffing on what i'm thinking right now and i really think that nebraska game is is huge on monday it, it is, is huge absolutely huge just not just for the record in the big 10 because there, it's a long season there's plenty of time left for this team to do whatever it's going to do but just for the confidence of these guys i mean it's enormous for them to get a win and st again as we talked about with this game stem this run like stop this run of badness and just say okay there's things you can take away from a game at Maryland. I think that if if you asked me before the game and said Maryland's going to beat Indiana by three, I'd be like, you know what? That's probably okay. You know, this was what, essentially the Ken Palm prediction, right? Yeah, here. and you know, it's everything they're dealing what with. It's the fact that they came out so well, had the lead, and lost it, and how it happened that makes it disappointing. But if you back up and just look at it on the schedule, you say, okay, yeah, road game against a team that's probably just outside the top twenty-five. You know, you lose by three. It's not too bad. 
but we all saw what happened, and that's what was concerning. There's a lot they can learn from this loss, though. And, and you know, it, I mean, the other stat that jumps out is Indiana jumps out to a 9-0 lead, and we haven't really touched on that too much, you know, because obviously was it gets it lost and everything. Yeah, it was, was yeah it? something like that. And that was a great start. You know, Indiana came out playing with their hair on fire on defense. You know, they really were executing well on offense, and that was great to see. You know, this Maryland team, they just played a game at Minnesota. They were down six at the half and outscored them by 20-something in the second half. So, I, you know, I haven't followed their games all year, but maybe they're a team that plays better in the second half. Who knows? The, the thing that I think that early start did is, you know, you get out, you get out to that early lead and you feel like you should kind of coast the rest of the game. This Maryland team presented some real challenges for Indiana because of their size, because of their ability on the offensive glass, because this is not a great defensive rebounding team. And those things ended up, you know, obviously coming coming true as we went down the stretch. And then, you know, Justin missing that time in the second half, you know. So, yeah, I think when you step back and look at how this game played out, it's kind of understandable. It just stings more because you come into it thinking, man, our big problems are the way we start. We turn it over too much. We don't make our free throws. We did all of those things and we lost in part because of how bad of a matchup it was because Justin Smith was out and just because of some really poor execution there for a long stretch in the second half. So Andy, what else jumps out to you? Uh, well, a couple of things that one of them goes along with what you, what you talked about points in the paint. Maryland ended up winning that 32 to or 36 to 32, but that was really lopsided in the second half. I think it was 22 to, uh, I wrote down what it was. I have to 22 to, 16 maybe in the in the second half i mean they they kind of dominated a lot of that's offensive rebounding they had 10 offensive rebounds in the first half managed to not get any second chance points eight offensive rebounds in the second half nine second chance points um and, and i think giving up 10 offensive rebounds in the first half but not allowing them to score any points off of it is a little bit of you know smoke and mirrors i think to a certain extent where iu got away with some things in the first half but the one thing that iu also did in the first half was turn maryland over a little bit they had eight turnovers in the first half and just one in the second half and those would have been ways and that was just when, at the very end, when when um, Cowan was trying to dribble out that rebound at the, you know, it was their you know, next to last possession. That, you know, they went the better part of 19 minutes before they turned the ball over. And I think that speaks to, you know, the defensive intensity and the difference in that between the first half. At least IU was giving up points in some stretches, but they were able to, you know, stop runs by getting a timely turnover and things like that. In the second half, that just didn't happen. And it allowed IU to not get any, you know, get out in transition at all, as we kind of talked about on the show. Um, last night, I mean, you're busy taking the ball out of the basket every time. You're you're not able to really generate easy offense that way. And I thought that was, you know, you can you can point to lack of depth and and the toll that's taking on the guys who are playing. Um, but the the level of intensity that was really there in the first half was just not in the second half, and things snowballed really quickly. And and I think, uh, you know, at times it felt like they thought they could outscore them, but it, it, you know, and it, just with a few defensive stops, it, it might've actually worked quite honestly, but um, you know, you forced, you know, you know, Jalen Smith, he was zero for nine, um, but he still had 10 rebounds and, and impacted the game in that way. I mean, didn't have some great, you know, outside of Fernando, really not great shooting performances for Maryland. They only shot 41% from the floor, but they rebounded probably close to half their misses or maybe half their misses um, and just gave themselves extra possessions. And in the second half didn't give, uh, turnovers to IU. So just not being able to find avenues to get turnovers or get easy buckets for IU was a, was a big one. And, you know, four assists in the second half was it, it was a lot of, uh, only way they could really score was to kind of go one-on-one, try to get downhill and, um, and do that. But, you know, the bench points and the rebounding to me are the numbers that really stick out from a, a negative 
perspective um, when you look at it that way. And just just hard to get by and win a road game when you're when you're just getting so little production out of the bench. And, and again, it's not just points. You know, two points, five rebounds, three assists. You know, one turnover and eight fouls from the from the bench in, in those minutes. It's just not. It's just not enough. Not good. Ryan, any other final stats for you? Yeah, just one last thing. I think we have to give Maryland credit, too, also. They ran some pretty good offense in the second half. I know Indiana wasn't defending well, but I think it was a combination of two things. Maryland put a lot of pressure on him. Fernando went off in the second. There were, you know, some of those plays in the post where Juwan was playing him straight up, playing good defense, and, you know, you got a bigger guy you know, making hooks over you, you're not going to defend that. You he only shot two free throws. I mean, we did, you know, we didn't put yeah. him at the line. Defended him without fouling. Yeah. Uh, and, and they knocked down some shots too. You know, they had some scramble threes that went in. I mean, so you have to give Maryland credit. They played very well in the second half. I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. They dropped 51 points on what is a good defensive team. Uh, and and not all of that can be attributed to bad defense. I think some of it was them uh, running some really good offense. So credit to them. They 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 got into it in the second half and really were humming offensively. Mark Turgeon getting a game ball maybe. No, <laughs> little little offense. I like to call <laughs> throw the ball at the basket and go get the offensive rebound because they can't get it. Uh, all right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Maryland. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other guys like Al Durham, dive in a little bit more to Juwan Morgan's night, and some other stuff. That's here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for the free IU Hoops email newsletter that we send out. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 75-73 to loss to Maryland tonight. It's funny, we get to this third segment, we usually have several uh, topics that I feel are obvious that we haven't hit, and tonight I feel like we hit a lot of them because these those first two segments went kind of long. It, you know, a lot I, of arguing, a lot of yelling. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> okay. Ashing of teeth. I, I do want to talk a little bit about Al Durham, um, because while... You know, well, I don't think his shot selection on that three pointer when, when it was 64 to 58 was good because it was too quick. And I think at that point, you know, you've got to be patient and run a little bit of offense. I thought he did some encouraging things tonight. You know, I thought, you know, he, a couple of the threes that he hit were big shots, like the one at the end of the first half when the lead was down to five. That was a big shot. You know, the three that he hit to make it 45 44, those are big shots. And I, we're starting to see his confidence emerge a little bit because, again, you know, I think some of these games earlier in the season he was disappearing in a little bit. And now, to me, he's showing a little bit more mental and physical toughness and a little bit more confidence. And I think that's good. Um, you know, and I think he's a guy that, you know, even with Rob back, and whenever Rob reassumes you know, his position as the starting point guard, I think Al's going to stick in the starting lineup and then you'll have Devontae coming off the bench. Um, and so I thought overall tonight from Al, I'd love to have that one possession back. Um, it, you know, and defensively, I don't really think anybody played well for that stretch in the second half. Um, uh, I know. thought he was okay. Yeah. I mean, he, he was trying to do too much because he was trying to help on over rotations yeah. and all that stuff. I just, because we've talked about this with defense before and, and we talked about it after the Michigan game. If one guy is off on his rotation, 
then everybody else has to compensate. It makes everybody look bad, you know? So if you see Al scrambling late to his guy, it might be because he had to help on somebody else's, you know, not just that he laid off too long. Um, and so, yeah, I thought there was a lot of scrambling that went on. Maryland's floor spacing was much better in the second half. And that really, that puts a strain on the defense, no matter who you are. Yeah. I, I want to reflect a little bit on Juwan Morgan's night. Hey, oh. what? One one quick thing to go back yeah. to that. I tried to jump in, but had muted myself. So, um, but uh, you know, I saw a huge difference in defensive rotations. And the number of times it felt like IU was scrambling when Justin Smith wasn't out there. I, I know For we. Sure. Yeah. I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but I, I mean, that his was, defense has become elite. Like it just is. It was night and day different, just in terms of his awareness. If you if you go back, and I I strongly discourage anyone from going back and watching this game. But if you if you Hate yourself watch, the, and, watch like the first and, five minutes and if you hate going. yourself and want to do that i mean watch when he's on the floor just his kind of awareness of where to be where to go next in the rotations and then watch a couple minutes which is all you'll be able to stand when he's not out there and that was really in the second half where things really got you know out of hand um just you know guys scrambling and, and things like that so I want to talk a little bit about Juwan Morgan. You know, Ryan, we talked about his line is 14 points. He's seven of 13 from the field, eight rebounds, you know, did have a block and a couple of steals. And, you know, he was over three from three point range. You know, usually he would make, you know, one or two of those and that, you know, makes his, his points look a little bit better. You know, the way thinking about the matchup that he has, Ryan, against Bruno Fernando, it was always going to be a little bit tougher for him down low to do to do what he typically does. And, you know, I, I, I agree that, you know, maybe earlier in the game, he can be a little bit more assertive, that kind of thing. Um, but I thought overall defensively, I thought he did a pretty good job because he defended Fernando without fouling, um, you know, had to play 36 minutes. Like he's, he can't go all out a hundred percent for 36 minutes. Like you can tell that there are times that he gets a little bit gassed out there when he can't get, as he should, yeah. when he can't get a few more breaks. So I don't know in a matchup like this, I don't know how much more we're going to get from him if he's not making his threes because he, you know, down low, I mean, he, you know, he had that nice scoop shot. Like he found ways against a guy that's much bigger and stronger than him to score. This was always going to be a game. I thought where he's probably going to get, you know, 14, 15, 16 points and your perimeter guys have to step up and score more, which Romeo did. So, you know, I don't know. And I guess in hindsight, I have a harder time, asking more of him than what he gave tonight given the matchup because I thought overall he played pretty well he did and and look I and when I criticized he and Romeo earlier it, again I said their lines look fine like you you say you get 14 eight and assist two steals one block no turnovers out of Morgan you're like yeah that's a that's a good game it's when you pick and choose your spots to go and also we have to understand that with the injuries these guys are playing so much time and I think also, and Andy made this point earlier, that with the offensive rebounds, these guys are playing, having to play 60 seconds of defense at a time sometimes, you know, or, or 45 seconds of defense instead of one shot clock. You're having to play two shot clocks worth of defense. And that really wears you down because you get more tired playing defense than you do offense. And, and so Indiana was on its heels defensively for long stretches of the second half. And even parts of the first half, they had almost, I think they had 10 offensive rebounds in the first half too. So it really puts pressure on your key guys who are guarding their key guys. And, and Morgan was, he had the assignment of Fernando for most of the night and defended them, defended him really well, as you said, as well as he could, you know? Yeah. And sometimes a guy like that's just bigger than you. He's going to beat you. I mean, we saw Thomas Bryant do that at Indiana for two years. He'd have a guy on his back and he just beat him. 
and no matter what you did, he's just bigger, he's longer, he's gonna score. And and, so, and Jawan can't foul, so there's only so yeah. much he can do in that matchup. Yeah, and and honestly, why would you at that point make the guy shoot over you and you're happy? And and he did that a lot. And Fernando just happened to hit him, and then he banked in a three at one point, which you know that that was when I knew the game was over. Uh, but look. It, it, I think that with Juwan, he played well, but again, it's it's not even about scoring. It's about when the ball is in his hands, defenses have to pay attention to him. And I feel like if you get him the ball on the block, yeah, Fernando can play him one-on-one, but everyone's going to be watching. And that's when you can maybe get something going for somebody else. Like, you know, get him the ball on the block, have guys cut off of it. So yeah, some of that is coaching. But I also feel like when this team is down and when it's struggling, the, the the play is give it to Morgan in the post or give it to Romeo, get him a ball screen at the top of the key. Uh, those are the two things this team needs to do when it's struggling because those are the best plays you have in your, in your, it doesn't matter what offense you run. Those are the two best plays you've got in your back pocket. And, and I feel like those two guys also need to know how to communicate that to everybody else, feel the game out. They shouldn't need a timeout, you know, to get that. They should feel the game out and say, okay, now, we need to do this. So with Morgan, I just felt like he disappeared in some stretches where he could have shown up. And part of that is, again, he, he was playing against, he was matched up with a really good player and you're going to disappear at times when that happens. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the solution is as far as that goes, but it was a decent game for Juwan. You, you can't, you know, whine and complain about it. It was a decent game, but you feel like it, it, in certain key situations, you need a bucket from him and you need to be able to get it no matter what the, you know, no matter what the situation is. You'd like to see him get to the line more than zero times. True. And you could argue that he should have because he doesn't often yeah. get many calls. Which well, is... look, and, and, and on 18 offensive rebounds, I would say at least eight of those, Maryland was climbing up the back of Juwan and Justin and whoever, and Fitzner and whoever else was in there. They're at home, but you know, after the first five minutes, they weren't getting those calls. You're not expecting to get them the rest of the game. I mean, but they were getting shoved around, and you know, it happens. So it's part of playing on the road in the Big Ten. I think that's you know one of the things Juwan usually can get some offense off of is is putbacks, and and he was the only guy on IU that had an offensive rebound, and and was the was responsible for IU's you know two second chance points. But I think at least two, maybe all three of the rebounds were just off of his own shots where he was already right by the basket. Like he wasn't getting any that were, you know, that were kind of outside of his immediate, you know, area after he shot the ball. And I think that, you know, one speaks a lot for Maryland's, you know, rebounding and just generally their size. And I thought this was a game where Juwan's, you know, a, a little bit undersized when you really think about what he's being asked to do. And this felt like a game where that really was evident just based on how, how big, Fernando was. I think it was evident on both ends. You know, Juwan's trying not to foul and just, you know, be there with his arms up. And just unfortunately, against a guy like that, that's just not necessarily going to be enough. Yeah, I thought they were tougher and kind of quicker to 50 50 balls after about the first 10 minutes. You know, and I was about to say, well, you know, we're, we have guys playing so many minutes, you know, but we had two guys play 30 minutes. They had three guys play 30 minutes. And Cowan and Fernando both played as many minutes as Romeo and Juwan. So yeah, I don't know, Ryan, I think you make a good point that when you're you know, when you lose the offensive rebounding battle, whatever it was, three to twenty something, you you are playing a lot more defense. So, you know, that yeah. can that can tire you out. But still it's the consequence. You know, I, I think and it'll be interesting to listen to, you know, to what Archie says, because after the Michigan game, you know, he said that he thought that, you know, we just weren't tough enough at the start of the game. And I think he's right. 
And I think this is still a program that is learning how to be tough for 40 minutes, both mentally and physically. Now that, you know, we came out early in this game and really were, and we've seen it in stretches. And when this team plays tough, they play really well, but they also go through stretches, you know, they'll have really good offense and then it's like they relax and they settle for shots and they'll play some really good stretches of defense and force some shot clock violations. And then they relax a little bit, you know? So I think this team is still, and whatever that reason is, because it's the second year in a new system, because you've got injuries, because you're still working out the chemistry. Like there's probably many, many reasons that contribute to it, but this team I think is still trying to figure out, you know, how to have the kind of toughness that Archie wants them to have to win with the kind of profile they have. Because, you know, remember, this is a team that, you know, we made seven three-pointers tonight, which is good. I thought that was a key. We were going to have to make five, six, seven threes, and we did. And without Juwan's missed threes, they hit 50%. Yeah, and, and, you know, so this was a a good overall by the numbers, a pretty good offensive game, but we're not just going to go out there and be this high-flying, prolific offense. You know, we're still, that can keep us in games, but we're going to win games with toughness and, 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 you know, in some of the games that we've won late, we've really had that late. And, you know, when it was kind of winning time tonight, we didn't have that mental and physical toughness. And I think that's just something that still has to develop within the program. It's not there. It's a little bit inconsistent. If you're going to go on the road and win a game like this against a team like Maryland, when things aren't going your way for a little while, um, you know, I think you got to have that toughness. Um, what else we have? Andy, what else you have for this? this segment what other storylines have we not hit yet i i just don't even know if i can hit any other stuff. i mean i really think we've hit on just about everything we talked romeo and juan I, I mean i guess we didn't touch on on Devonte a whole lot we alluded to him a little bit i thought he was great um, at the start of the game yeah he you know and and made all five of his free throws didn't have a turnover as we said though i just thought some of the shot selection and understanding you know what what was needed when which i think is you know at this point you can, I think you can make the argument about him and with, with Fitzner, you know, I think we know who these guys are at this point. And you you can win with how Devontae played tonight. You know, when he gives you 15 points, makes his free throws, gets a couple of assists, gets some rebounds. Yeah. No turnovers. Like he was not perfect. And you'd like to have some of those possessions back, but you can win with this from him. Like you need a third guy to step up and get double. What did we talk about on assembly call radio? And Devontae gives you 15 points. So he is, he is a reason that some of those possessions didn't go our way, but I don't think he's a reason we lost tonight. He, no, I, yeah, I think that's fair. And, I, and you mentioned that some of those bad shots were like turnovers. I completely agree with you. I do not argue that at all. I, but, you know, a lot of people, I think it's easy because he's struggled in the past. People immediately, every time he has a bad shot, go, oh, he's killing us. And he did not kill right. Indiana tonight. He makes one he mistake, absolutely. and my Twitter mentions go insane, and I just can't yeah. look. It's and, and so, so ridiculous. Four of ten from the field. I bet it, the thing is, I think the perception of Devontae is such that if you ask people after the game, write out what you think his stats are. They're, they'd never be seven right. turnovers, yeah. two for eighteen from the field. And, and look, Devontae does a lot of dribbling. I don't love that. I mean, he's not like it, it, what he does is not my favorite kind of basketball. But you can't deny what he does sometimes is a product of the fact that nobody else is doing anything. And in the first half, a couple times in that really bad stretch, he drove in and took floaters in the lane. I'm fine with that. If nobody else is going to step up and try and attack and, and he missed them both, but a, you drive in the lane, you can get fouled. Maybe it goes in. He's made shots like that before. Those aren't my favorite shots, but if nobody else is stepping up, then that's just, he has to do that in some way, in some cases. So again, 
if you get this performance from Devontae Green every week or, or you know, every game, you're thrilled with it. Um, if, if everybody else steps up and does what they're supposed to do and the team defends like it's supposed to. I did yeah. I did think he struggled. I thought he did a really good job on Cowan in the first half. Some of the shots that Cowan made, I think he might have only made three in the first half, were really difficult shots. I did yeah. not think he was uh, as disruptive defensively in that. You know, that one play that Jared mentioned where he just kind of was flat-footed and just wasn't back and set. I think there were sequences where he, you know, he kind of let his struggles offensively in the second half impact his defense a little bit more than you would like. That's probably one one thing that I would say the shot selection, I was not a huge fan of, but I, I can, you know, as you said, if he scores 15 points in a lot of games, it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but you kind of look, you know, took him, you know, 10 shots to 10 shots to do it four of 10. I, I don't know, but the free throws were, were a positive and, you know, he was a positive in the plus minus on the game, but I thought defensively in the second half was probably more of a, a struggle than, uh, than anything from my perspective. Yep. All right. Coming up on our final segment, we hand out our game balls. Uh, we hit any other storylines we haven't hit yet. And then in last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Maryland. That is next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up Indiana's 78, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 78 to 75 loss to Maryland tonight. Uh, guys, it's time to hand out our game balls. Currently for the season, Jawan and Romeo both have five. Duran has two. Rob Finnessy, Devontae Green, and Justin Smith all have one. Uh, Ryan, let's go to you first. Who gets your game ball tonight? Uh, I mean, it's Romeo. I, I think pretty solidly um i think that you know i have my critiques of his game and how he played as you nobody know. even said anything you're so sensitive before well, you're looking at it me. out I, you know i can see you right that's it's it's, it's the internet is a magical thing and mm. i can actually see you I, uh, I didn't know i was judging you out loud but apparently i was so. <laughs> yeah definitely it was your eyes uh, andy Definitely. Those accusatory eyes I get from bottoms all the time. Uh, no, I, I, I would say that I have some critiques of like when he picked his spots, but it, the thing is he's the best player on the floor every time he, he steps on it, but he doesn't always look like it. Sometimes Jawan Morgan will look like the best player on the floor. Sometimes it's, you know, Jordan Poole from Michigan or whatever in stretches tonight. He was the best player on the floor for two thirds of the game, I thought, and, uh, a long, and, and then that stretch late in the second half where he took over was stunning. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. And that showed you the kind of player he is and why, you know, a lot of people have said like, why is this guy going to be a lottery pick? Like, I haven't seen that from him. That was, who? I mean, not, and, and, and not IU fans, by the way, just like people who have watched one game or something that showed you right there. I mean, that was, that was, you know, vintage Kobe Bryant takeover stuff. And, and it was brilliant. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that I'd like to see more stretches like that because Romeo is a team player and he plays a lot within the offense. Uh, but that was uh, really stellar. And when he is feeling it, he needs to just go. Sometimes the best thing you can do for your team is to, is to go and be that guy. Um, Andy, who gets your game ball? It, it was Romeo for me. I mean, I... I don't, I don't know. You, you want to give somebody Another, honorable mention? I mean, I'm going Romeo too, but I'm going to give somebody honorable mention. No, I won't. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, 
<laughs> Andy's feisty tonight. No, I'm just uh-huh. kidding. I, I mean, if I had to give somebody on I, I guess I would battle with. I guess I would say Justin Smith just because he if he was, you know, there was such a difference when he was on the floor and off. But yeah, I mean it was it was Romeo when you know, really kept the game from getting completely out of hand and almost single-handedly brought it back. I think at one point he had scored 20 of 24 for IU or something of that of that nature. Um in 12 in a row at one point. So, yeah, it was yeah. A, it was an impressive stretch and uh just showed what a good scorer he was. Yeah, I mean Romeo is the clear choice for game ball. There's no question about it. it you know, it's one of those things like I want to you know, give it to Justin Smith because his defense was so good and we were so much better when he was on the court. But then, you know, his own fouls took him off the court. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's his own problem. Um, you know, some honorable mention to Juwan Morgan, too. And, you know, a, a little mini game ball to Rob Finnessy for getting back on the court. You know, that was that was awesome. Um, you know, we kind of heard, you know, a rumor, you know, a little bit before the game, like maybe he's going to, you know, be out there. Maybe he's going to be able to play. And, you know, sure enough, he was. And that was that was just awesome to see him back out there. You know, he played 17 minutes, which is actually a lot more minutes than I thought he would. And I thought it was interesting that Archie, you know, kind of managed his minutes, but had him in there at the end of the game. You know, he wanted Rob in there at the end of the game. And so I think, you know, hopefully he's able to, you know, maybe get up to 25 minutes or something against Nebraska because he, he makes such a big difference for this team. And so just having him out there was... Uh, you know, was really big. And, and, you know, to me, I thought that might've been part of the reason why this team came out and started so well is, you know, it's been such a thin bench for a while. You know, when you hear before the game, Hey, Rob's back and, you know, Duran's going to be available to play and Jake's back. You know, to me, I kind of thought maybe the starters were like, Hey, let's go out balls to the walls here at the start of this game. Cause we've got a bench behind us now. It was the certainly game, the, the, yeah, you know, the game flow did not end up going that way because, you know, the guys who play a lot of minutes still had to play a lot of minutes. Um, although, you know, Alan Devante were able to obviously, you know, get more uh, get more rest with Rob out there. Um, but I think that's I think that's big. And while Indiana wasn't able to carry that momentum into a victory tonight, hopefully it helped, you know, it helps to lead to, to some momentum for Monday night for what I expect to be an awesome crowd at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It's a big game. Nebraska's a good team. But Indiana, you know, this game against Maryland, Maryland should have won this game, right? They're, you know, it's an even team. They're at home. They won this game. You know, that this game, Monday night, Indiana should win this game. Pretty evenly matched teams, but you're at home. You've got to have it. Nebraska is not as tough of a matchup for Indiana as Maryland is. And maybe we'll just take a couple minutes here, Andy, because we're not going to have a ton of time to preview Nebraska because it's a quick turnaround on Monday. You know, whereas I thought Maryland really presented some specific problems, Nebraska, while good, I don't think presents the same kind of mismatch challenges. Uh, yeah, or maybe I I'm think, wrong. I don't know. Uh, they're they're an interesting team to me. They they just have they rely a lot on you know kind of the the main four guys that everybody talked about with them coming back. You know, with three seniors and a junior, and you know James Palmer, Glenn Watson, Isaac Copeland, and Isaiah Roby. I mean, those are the guys using the vast majority of their. Uh, of their possession. So they're really, really reliant on those guys. Um, and so in some ways it's a, it's a team, you know, they, they certainly have other guys that they're playing, um, but their roster from a production standpoint is, is pretty top heavy. I guess not all, all that unlike, you know, what we've seen from IU. So I think if you can find ways to, um, you know, get one or two of those guys in some foul trouble, I think that becomes uh, incredibly important. Palmer's really the guy who who makes it go for them. Um, I, he was one that I was a little bit, uh, maybe I just didn't watch them enough last year. But when he, I think, made first team All Big Ten or something like that um, last year, I was I was surprised. Um, but in watching him play a little bit this year, I mean, he really does uh, does do a lot for them. So um, 
you know, luckily their offensive rebounding percentage numbers are not off the charts. So that'll probably be a, uh, a welcome site for everybody, but uh, they're a team that's, you know, really good offensively. And so when you look at their efficiency numbers are ranked, you know, right now, as I'm looking on Ken Palm 10th and adjusted offensive efficiency. And for uh, a team that just gave up 51 points in the second half, I, I don't know that that is quite the, uh, the elixir for what ails IU at this point, but I do think being able to get back home uh, with the students there will be, uh, will be important. And, and Nebraska has not necessarily played uh, well in, in road games so far uh, have lost, at Minnesota, at Maryland, at Iowa. Um, so, you know, if there's a positive to be taken away, they've not played well away from home. Their only true red win was at Clemson uh, by two points in the uh, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So I think that helps, gives you a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of confidence, and maybe that's something that, you know, with the crowd behind them, something that can push IU through the moments when they're, uh, you know, need to stem the tide and, uh, and do something like that. So I think it'll be a good game, but I, I do think a better uh, matchup, but also a team that's that's proven to be pretty good offensively. So, uh, not uh, not too much room for a letdown uh, by any means. A couple quick things from the chat mob, real quick, Ryan. You stirred people up with the Kobe Bryant comparison, uh, but people generally agreeing with it. Um, I just so, thought it was a Kobe sequence. Yeah, where yeah. He just there were times where he would go on hot streaks where he scored like eighteen straight points for the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, it's just. And also to bring everybody down, here's this from our good friend Galen Clavio. IU scored fewer points in the first 10 minutes of the second half tonight than they scored in the first 10 minutes of the first half versus Michigan. Ouch. Ouch. So, look, you know, this has been kind of a whack-a-mole program for about five years where it's like you have a problem and it's a big problem, it's a big problem, then you fix it, and then another thing that you were good at just falls by the wayside, and that's kind of what happened tonight. You know, we fixed the start, and we've been a team that's been dynamite in second halves especially the start of second halves. And it looked like we were well on our way to that with that first bucket. And then our pets heads fell off. So it was, uh, it was not good after that. Um, all right, let's get to last call. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. Remember that because you're an assembly call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you want one of our assembly call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code assembly at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. All right, guys, it's time for last call. Ryan, one more time to defend the point that you made in segment one. No, I'm actually going to say this was not the way I wanted to spend my Friday night, uh, watching a loss and then having to stare at YouTube jokers for an hour. But uh, no, now you're I, just lashing out because you know that yeah. you're wrong. It's fine. Uh, that's no, very un, was, it's very unbecoming. 100 right. Uh, what I will say is, you know, Indiana, there is stuff they can they can learn from this loss. And and look, this team is going to have to weather some stuff uh, with the injuries and everything. This team's going to have to weather some stuff. And tonight is one of those nights where you got to weather something. And and it didn't go right. And and they ran out of steam and allowed Maryland back in the game. And Maryland took advantage. So kudos to them. Uh, what Indiana needs to do is come out and win on Monday and, and needs, and the other thing they need to do is get healthy. I mean, we've been saying that for weeks, but Indiana needs to get healthy. That's the only way that you're going to be able to have a deep bench that you're going to be able to give rests to guys like Morgan and Langford and feel confident about the results is when you get a deeper bench and you get more guys who can do things off the bench, uh, you know, missing race Thompson. We don't know what the situation is. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's a guy who I think can do some things in this league and, and right now. And, you know, he, this may be a lost season. We don't know because he hasn't been playing, but 
some of these other guys need to a get healthy and b get some more experience and, and be able to contribute and take advantage of the opportunities when they do get in like a clifton moore needs to take advantage of the opportunity next time he gets on the floor and attack and and do something that makes the coaches know that he can't sit on the bench anymore because they need something from this uh bench and 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 their depth and they don't have it right now so that's that's what needs to happen with this Indiana team. They need to win on Monday. There's no question about it to me. You can't go to three and three after starting three and oh. It just just for the momentum of the way everything is going. You need to win that one. Settle yourself, stem the tide of this losing streak, and then they need to get healthy. And and those are the two most important things right now. If you're an Indiana fan, look for them to hopefully get a win on Monday and then just kind of work their way to health. Yep. All right. I gotta get out of here, folks. Thank you. See you, Ryan. All right, Andy, last call. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, apparently it, it just, dinner with his parents is more important than listening yeah. to what we have to say. Yeah, us jokers. So, All yeah. Right. yeah. Anyway, what are you going to do? Um, He's just so, mad because we called him yeah. out. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> taking my mic and going home. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I, I just, you know, it's, I just, I go back to what I said at the beginning. It's funny to look at this game and the Michigan game. And they're both losses and and the way that they unfolded led you to feel worse about the one that you lost by three as opposed to the one that you lost by, you know, twelve or thirteen or whatever the, the final margin of the Michigan game ended up. And um, you know, the reality is they, they just just had such a bad stretch toward the end of the fir- end of the first half and the beginning of the second. It's funny, somebody asked me on on Twitter, I think one of our uh, one of our favorites, the Hank Hill on Acid uh, Twitter account. <laughs> wrote asked basically because i said you know i made a point about this stretch where you know scored 33 points on 21 possessions and basically like played it even his question was what was it from what was points per possession when it from when it was 28 14 until maryland led 43 37 said not being trite gen, genuinely curious uh i was just i was just figuring it up now i was trying to do that while ryan was talking i you uh i can tell you scored nine points on 21 possessions in that in that stretch um and Maryland scored, I believe, if I'm doing the, the math correctly, 29 points on 22 possessions just because it was the way that the half ended. Um, so that was a huge stretch there at the end of the, you know, going through that. So uh, while, yes, you can kind of point to that stretch in the second half where I use offense was elite, it was also a stretch where they were really terrible, um, you know, quite frankly. And just, you know, as we said, wrong guys taking shots um, and things like that. So it's uh, it, it's a struggle because I feel like we circle back to the same points about, these guys are playing a lot of minutes. There's just not depth. The bench doesn't score because there's nobody to turn to. All those kinds of things. I mean, Monday is is the time for you know no more excuses, and you got to find a way to win that game because then I think you've got some time off. You go into Purdue game again on a team that's a lot like IU right now. They're very reliant on you know in their case one guy uh, instead of two. Um, but at some point you got to start to build some momentum in the stretch. So hopefully that begins on on Monday. I was optimistic the way this game started that. Um, you could really kind of let yourself look and say, Hey, this, if you can, you know, get this game on the road, you go back home, have some more time off, play, you know, Purdue and what's sure to be a, a raucous and difficult environment. But, um, one from a talent standpoint, you feel like you, you might be able to win with. And now, uh, you, you flip from that feeling potentially to now your back's kind of against the wall and you really can't, uh, or don't want to lose another, another game in this stretch. So Monday becomes, uh, I think what could be a real turning point in the season, um, not to say that things are going to, you know, go downhill completely if they lose that game, but it, it really becomes an important one. 
Um, and so I'll be interested to see how they react. I do think there are some things to build on, but the defensive intensity has got to be there for longer than it was um, tonight. And that was really, you know, keep Justin Smith on the floor, keep that intensity up. And uh, I think it's a game they, they walk away with and, you know, kind of steal on the road. But as it is, you're kind of left with a empty feeling at the end in a game that feels like you gave one away and in the way that the Michigan game doesn't really feel like you gave it away. It was a game that you you probably expected to lose and, and really from the jump never felt like you were in. Um, this one feels like the opposite in a game that was imminently winnable and, and couldn't come away with it. Yeah. Now, missed opportunity, no question. I mean, this this was a game Indiana was likely to lose, but that they had a chance to win. And I thought Zach Osterman put it really well. I don't, it was in his pregame article. Maybe he tweeted it or something. He said, you know, this is a game Indiana wins if they're going to compete at the top of the Big Ten. You know, if you're going to compete for a Big Ten regular season title, you win this game. And, you know, Indiana doesn't. So, okay, you know, you got to go back. You got to, you know, win that home game against Nebraska. You got to win one of the next two on the road. We've said, you know, there are going to be some losses in January. You got to be prepared for that. There's nothing about losing by three at Maryland, a team that will be in the top 25 that was already ranked 20th in Ken Palm, that is necessarily bad. So, you know, we've got to take the lessons from this game, get better. You know, I'll, I'll say, you know, my, my lasting impression that I'm going to take away from this game that I hope is a harbinger of things to come is what Romeo did in the second half. And, you know, while we gave Ryan some crap for the point that he made, there was a little kernel of truth in it in that, you know, when you have a guy like Romeo – you know, and, and, you know, he does things. I hope people appreciate this, and I think people do. He is able to do things on a basketball court that very, very few players in the history of this school, really the history of this conference, can do when you combine his athleticism, his grace, and his skill. And, and especially when he's going to the basket and just the way that he can find different angles to get to the basket, how solidly he puts the ball up on the backboard every time. Like, just he does so many little fundamental things well that make him so much fun to watch. And we saw, you know, I, I didn't watch him play in high school, but, you know, talking to Alex Bozich and other folks who, you know, have seen him play, you heard about these just Romeo explosions that would happen where he would just take over and, you know, go off for 16, 18, 20 points in a quarter. And we saw that tonight. I don't think it'll be the last time. I'm hoping that this is a precursor to him starting to use more possessions for Indiana. You still have to get other guys involved, but I do think there's more opportunity for him, you know, maybe early in the game to maybe get going a little bit. But the confidence that he seems to have now in his three-point shot, the confidence that he seems to have calling for ball screens, taking the ball, and just going and getting a bucket, that's huge because this team is going to need its stars to be stars on a night-in, night-out basis to win. It wasn't enough to win tonight, but that wasn't on Romeo. He was terrific. And if this is a harbinger of what we're going to see from him down the stretch, you know, not only is he going to be a runaway Big Ten freshman of the year and uh, you know, be an All-American, but he's going to be able to lead Indiana to some wins that they otherwise might not get. Didn't happen tonight, but I think as we move forward uh, with this schedule and guys get healthier and Justin Smith doesn't make fouls, you, know, you make up those three or four points and what Romeo did tonight is enough to get you that big win on the road. Team isn't quite there yet, but I think they're going to get there in the future. Um, so keep the faith. This was a rough loss, but I still think much, much brighter days are in the future uh, for this team. 
All right, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday. We will have Banner Monday right before the Nebraska game, so come hang out with us then. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Cascade Platinum every night Saves you water every night Come meet me at the dishwasher, babe See, hand-washing dishes at your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. Naughty, naughty sink. But with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. Slow the flow of that H2O and change your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.